by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Did I tell y'all the story about the two mice on a raft? Probably not because it only happened last week. We were going to go camping for a few days last week, and so I went to take the cover off my boat. I was going to take my boat down to Arkabuller. When this stench hit me, what the world? My boat smelled bad. And then I got to looking in it, and there was little mouse pellets all in the boat. Apparently, I had some visitors that I didn't know about since last time I went fishing. Well, I, that wasn't no good. I couldn't go with the boat smelling like that, so I had to get a pressure washer out and wash it. Found out they had chewed through my fishing line, chewed through my fishing net, and they had messed up a bunch of stuff. I had a little homemade deck, and you could see back there. I knew they were in there, but I couldn't get to them. They made me mad. I spent the next two hours pressure washing the boat, you know, and cleaning it all up, and I took it down to Arca Butler. I knew they were still in there. Before I left, I stopped by the... Uh, co-op and got me one of those sticky traps little square little trap it's got sticky stuff on it that once they get on there they can't get off and I drilled it down into a piece of wood in the boat so if they got on there they wouldn't have one leg to get up into the front and be left up there stinking you know for months so I drilled it down I was thinking you know next day nothing I got to the uh got to the campsite and the next morning I got up to go fishing and uh, I looked in there to see the sticky trap. Guess what? Two mice. Not blind mice, but regular mice. <laughs> they, were, they were on the trap. One of them was already dead. I don't know what killed him, but the other one was in there looking at me. And, and I said, well, huh. And I shut the case, and he just had to go fishing with me because I didn't have time for it. So I went fishing with the mouse in the boat. But when I came back to the dock, you know, I got my screwdriver out, and I unscrewed it from the thing. And I picked up them, them two mice that was on this little raft. What do you think I did? I choked them out in Arca Butler. Have a nice trip. <laughs> Have a nice trip, yeah. Two mice on a raft. You say, Pastor, what does this story have to do with anything? I'm getting to that. Hold on. Now, when I told Angie, I said, Angie, do you... Do you think bad of me for putting them adrift? She said, no. She don't like mice much either. I said, Angie, was it wrong that before I put them adrift, I looked at that little mouse and said, nah, sucker. <laughs> she goes, no, I know how mad you were and how you had to spend two hours cleaning the boat. I said, well, Angie... Was it wrong that before I said, nah, sucker, I poked him with the screwdriver a couple times? <laughs> I did not. I did not poke him. Some of y'all think, y'all got a psycho pastor at this place. <laughs> no, I did not poke him. I just said, nah, sucker. And then I felt bad putting him adrift. But hey, you know, they could have survived. They're still out there somewhere. Still sailing the, the seas of Arca Butler. What? Well, one of them was dead, and maybe the other one survived. 
But what does this have to do with Jesus, you say, or our lives? Well, I think some people are different. I, I, I wanted the mice out of my boat. Some people may live with their mice. And today, the mice that we're going to talk about is fear and anxiety. Those are two things that a lot of people just have determined, I'm okay with that. I, I'm a worrier. That's my job. I've heard that before. That's what I do. I'm a mama, you know, or I'm a dad. I'm supposed to worry. The devil has got us fooled, and we're leaving those mice in our boat. And it's not only going to chew up your fishing line and your fishing net, eventually it's going to get to the wiring in your boat. You ain't going to have no lights. Eventually, those mice are going to chew up your battery cables, and you ain't going to have no power to get down the lake. And that fear and anxiety that seems like a little thing on the surface, your life starts to smell. And maybe you got used to the smell, but others can tell it. Nobody wants to go fishing with you anymore. Does that make sense? It's like I was thinking this morning. It's like some of us, we're living from news cycle to news cycle, you know. And let's just be honest. There's never been a, more of an opportunity in my lifetime to be in fear and anxiety. And we're looking at things changing fast and not going in the right direction. And we're wondering how, how we're going to meet the bills. How we're going to do this. What, what's happening to our country? Why is it wrong to be patriotic? Why is this? Which bathroom do I go to? I mean, things are wackadoo. And uh, I thought about old Jerry Clower. Anybody remember him? He's a storyteller. He said his friend John climbed up the tree to get a possum out one time. They'd throw him down to the dogs. When he got up there, it was a wildcat instead of a possum. And they said, they said, knock him down, John. And, and they just heard a bunch of commotion out there. He was wailing. And, and uh, finally they said, what's wrong, John? Knock him down, John. He said he knew his buddy had a pistol that he carried for snakes. He said, just shoot up here amongst us. One of us got to have some relief. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten that bad. It's almost like what some there's got to be some relief somewhere. And the good news is, there he is. And his name is Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to show you in the Word of God what we got to do. How many of you want to just keep going like this? You know, stress is wearing us out mentally, physically. How many just thinks life has just been such a bowl of fun lately? Just so much joy and peace. Man, I'm just floating on a cloud. No. We're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. We're going to have to fight for what we believe. We're going to have to fight for what we want out of this life. Is that a mouse trying to get us in them? You see what I'm saying? Every time you turn around, the devil's putting something on you. Corey Ten Boone, everybody remember her? She wrote a book. She was uh, back during World War II. She lived, I think, in Austria, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the Germans took over that country, and she ended up hiding uh, Jews in, her, in the walls of her house to keep them from being killed. And she saved, I think, credited with over 800 people. But in it, anyway, she got caught, and she got put in Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp. Her, her family, a lot of them died, her sister and her her father and all were all arrested. 
But even in the midst of all that turmoil, she's quoted as saying, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. She said it's carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow, into tomorrow ahead of time. How many of y'all do that? See, worrying is bringing tomorrow's worries into today. And the Bible says sufficient for the day is the trouble thereof. We got enough trouble as it is. And when we're thinking ahead about things that may or may not happen, we're carrying a double load. How many of you feel like you're carrying double and triple today? Let's just be honest in the house of God. You know, honesty is, is the first step towards deliverance. She said, worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. So some of us have to stop looking so far ahead and learn a little word that the Bible says is very important called contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's, let's stay in the now, and let's, let's not hyper, what, you, what was the word? It almost came to me. I almost had a big word, and I'm from Whitehaven. Uh, never mind, I guess it didn't come to me. So what does the world offer us? Teach us how to cope with things. But Jesus doesn't say to cope with things. Jesus says to conquer things. Christians are not supposed to be like the world. We're not just supposed to be barely getting by coping. We're supposed to be conquering. Look at your neighbor say amen on that. Say nah, sucker. Get the mouse out your boat, sucker. <laughs> oh, why did they let me pastor? Okay, turn to Philippians chapter 4 in your Bibles. Our main text today is Philippians 4, verse 6. 6 and 7. Philippians 4. If I'm not mistaken, I believe... The Apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote this. Philippians 4. Apostle Paul says, don't worry about anything. Does that leave any wiggle room? But you say, but, 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 you don't know my, my child. You don't know my furnace. You don't know my air conditioner. You don't know my washing machine. You don't know my bills. But the Word of God says, don't worry about anything. Instead, okay, okay, so what I see in the Word of God is we don't just clean the boat or clean the house and leave it for the demons to get, leave and come back seven times stronger, we fill it with God stuff. We replace. Don't worry about anything. Instead, replace it. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. It's not natural. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. 
That is, a, that is a pivotal scripture right there. If we could get a hold of this, let's go back and look at it. So we're not to worry about anything. Stop making excuses why you worry about stuff, okay? The Word of God tells you don't. And we're going to see that probably worrying is probably sin if you want to know the truth. It's not trusting in God. It's trusting in circumstances. So don't worry about anything, but there's two things that we should do. Two mice that we should replace fear and anxiety with is prayer and thankfulness. Pray about everything and be thankful. Take those mice, put them on the high sea, and replace them with prayer and thankfulness. What did Jesus do when his boat was sinking? He stood up on the front, and what did he say? Peace. He declared peace. And if Jesus was here in this rocky boat today that we call the Passion Church, he would get up. Peace. Be still. He would speak to the storms in your life. That's what he's trying to do through me today. Hey, peace. Be still. Where's your faith? I got you. Am I not in the boat with you? Did I not say we're going to the other side? You think I'm just going to leave you to drown? Peace. Be still. Psalms 46, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Peace is what Jesus wants you to have. And the way to get it is through prayer and what? Thankfulness. Good. You're doing good. Prayer and thankfulness. Okay, for a sincere Christian, a well-adjusted Christian, prayer should be a way of life. I don't know what the latest theology is on the Internet, but when I grew up, even when I was in, didn't even believe in Jesus, they told me that I should pray. That's, that's the main thing we do. That is our communication. That is our lifeline. That is staying hooked up to the vine. Hooked up to the divine. <laughs> Prayer is a way of life. And, and what a privilege. What a privilege. What if I could get on the phone and talk with the president right now? That's nothing compared to getting on the line and talking with God Almighty from the throne. And he heareth thee. He hears the cries of the righteous. You say, well, I'm not right. You've been made right by the blood of Jesus. You can come boldly before his throne of grace in your time of need. You can come and you can talk and commune with God Almighty. If that doesn't bring you peace, I don't know what will. It's a privilege. Prayer gives us fresh perspective on things. When my heart is troubled and my brain starts going tilt, 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 like a pinball machine, it stops working and the ball's done been in the hole and nothing's coming out, I go and I talk to my father and he gives me fresh perspective. He gives me the mind of Christ. How many has ever declared that over your life? 
your mind spinning 100 miles an hour thinking about what if and what, what happened and, and what just happened and who ran over me and this and this. I, oh, Lord, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. I have the mind of Christ. I don't, I, you know, I don't see anywhere in the Bible that Jesus was biting his fingernails and worried and upset. You know what he'll do? He'll remind you of all the things that you used to worry about that never came to pass. About 95% of the things that we worry about never happen anyway. And the other 5% that you went through, who was with you in the fire? Who carried you? I know he did. You know how I know? Because you ain't dead yet. Because I see you looking at me. Because you're here today. He carried you. I see people, sometimes I talk to older people, and they 80 years old or something, 90 years old, still worrying about a storm. They get all nervous when storms come. It's like if I lived that long, it's like I'd be ready to ride a bull. You know, I ain't worried about nothing. I've lived 80 years, and I'm still alive. What's the chances, you know, of something happening now? We're worried about things that probably are never going to happen. When you walk in with Jesus... Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? So if I'm walking with Jesus, I'm going to agree with the, I'm going to begin to agree with his way because his personality is a little stronger than mine. I think he knows a little more. So I'm going to start melding the way I think and I'm agreeing with the way he thinks. And then you can tell people that walk with Jesus because they ain't all afraid. They ain't all worried. They do spend time in prayer. Prayer reshapes the timeline of your worldview. You know what I'm saying? Today we look and say, oh no, who's going to be president next? What's, what's going to be, they going to do with the budget? What if the immigration, what if this, what if, and, and we thinking, the devil's winning, we're getting beat to death over here. We're fixing to lose. But walking with Jesus, his timeline reminds us that in the end, you're going to win. You're going to win. One time I was praying about the, the world and t- tr- trying to tell God what he should do about Russia and, you know, China and all that kind of stuff. And I said, what about the world stuff, you know? He said, I appreciate your prayers, but you can relax. I got it under control. <laughs> Not that he don't want us to pray about those things. That's fine. But he's got it under control. Isaiah 26.3, talking about the Lord, says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You want your thoughts to be fixed? Fix them on Jesus. You're tired of the turmoil, the stress? Turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. He'll finish the job. You just got to keep your eyes on him. Now, there was a time when the humanity of Jesus here on the earth was, knew what was coming. And the temptation for him to be in stress and worry was great. In fact, 
it says that he began to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. The agony of knowing that he's about to be beaten, scourged, and nailed to a cross. What did Jesus do? He went to the garden to pray. He said, Father, if this cup can be taken from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He wanted God's will to be done. He took, it to his, took his petitions to God. And we know that the Father didn't take away the cup. But you know what he did do? In Luke it says he sent angels to minister to him. They strengthened Jesus. They strengthened the Lord. And if Jesus needed to turn to the Father and pray, in his hour of need, how much more should we? We look at prayers like, well, I pray, God is great, God is good, let him thank us for his food. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray to lower my soul to keep. Well, that's good, that's good, that's a start. But I think it says somewhere in Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Keep that line of communication open always. When you're walking in Walmart, don't just be Talking to yourself. I mean, the Holy Spirit's in there. It's kind of rude to just have a one-man conversation. When God lives on the inside of you, you can say, God, what do you want me to do? He might show you some, some tips to save money or somebody to minister to. Pray without ceasing. Open the line of communication always, and we'll, we'll get out of these, these caves and these pits that we've dug for our life. The ways we think will get out. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Always be joyful. Well, that sounds good. You say, how you do it, Pastor? I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. I'm trying to help you. You can leave and go to the buffet and forget everything you learned today if you want to. But for those who are tired of being tired, listen to me. You always want to be joyful. It is the joy of the Lord is our strength. We all want the joy. We're looking for the joy. Why don't we do the things to get the joy that God says do? Always be joyful and never stop praying. That's the key. Never stop praying. And what does it say in verse 18? What was that second thing? Be thankful. There they are again. Prayer and thankfulness. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That's God, what he wants for you, for you to be joyful. But it comes through prayer and thankfulness. Now, I'm not saying be thankful for cancer. Be thankful that your dog died. Be thankful for all that. Thankful for the sin in the world. No, we're not. No, I'm not talking about that. It says thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. Make that distinction because there's always a reason to be thankful even in the midst of your storm. So let's talk about thankfulness. I wondered how them mice got in my boat. I mean, it, it ain't easy for a mice to, to get a, you know, around up in a boat, but I had an extension cord that I had my battery plugged into and, and it went down on the ground and I figured the mice climbed the extension cord to get in the boat. That's how they got in there. 
And I thought to myself, well, when I get home and plug that extension cord back up, I'm going to put some grease on that extension cord so they're just sliding. You know? <laughs> New mice can't get up in there. And that's what thankfulness is like. It's like putting grease on your extension cord. You're so thankful you got the devil freaked out. He's like, usually they're whining and murmuring and complaining. And, and I've done put this tragedy in their life and they're over there giving God thanks. Well, I'm out of here. I can't get up that pole. Thankfulness runs the devil crazy, runs him off out of your life. And gratitude breeds that word I talked about, contentment. How many of you have ever said, well, oh, I'm barely getting by, and we start rehashing everything wrong in our life? Does that make you feel good? Isn't that akin to worrying? Fear and anxiety creator? But what if you started saying, well, God... It's been a rough day, but you know what? You got me up this morning, and uh, you healed my foot from last week, and Lord, you know, I'm still here. I'm going to get to go eat here in a few minutes. You just begin to give God thanks for the things. I had a warm shower this morning. I still had toothpaste in the, in the, in the little thing. In the little tube, Yeah. And my, my wife did too. I'm thankful for that, you know. <laughs> Thankfulness enlarges your faith. It brings contentment and it primes the pump of joy. You start being thankful. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters who got my back here at the church. I thank you for those who are serving, Lord. I thank you that this church is growing, that we... You meet our needs according to your riches and glory. I thank you that your love is in our hearts. I thank you that you're priming that joy in my, in my life, Lord. And you're just priming that pump. Then all of a sudden, out of your belly start flowing living waters like it's supposed to. Thankfulness, thankfulness does that. Stop rehearsing what the devil tells you to say and start learning your lines from the good book. If you're never thankful, you're never satisfied. If you don't ever tell God thank you for anything, then you're never happy with anything. That, that contentment's out the window. You're, you're just going to be negative. Kathy Messias, I don't know how you say that, Messias, Kathy Messias says thankfulness helps us mentally by reducing depression, stress, anxiety, and it helps us overcome trauma. Emotionally, it helps us by breaking hold of toxic emotions. It improves our relationships because, look, if you're negative all the time, you ain't going to have very good relationships because nobody wants to be around you. It helps improve relationships, reduces materialism and self-centeredness. Being thankful. Physical benefits of gratitude are it promotes better sleep, decreased pain, Increased energy and activates appetite, sleep, and a better metabolism. These are just natural things that happen when, to a thankful person. An attitude of gratitude takes our focus off our struggles and fosters awareness of God's provision and the, his activity around us. That's, that's, that's turning that focus in us, getting our eyes on Jesus. 
God is working in your life. All things are working together for my good. Even when I can't see it, I believe it. Gratitude is self-producing, she says. Studies show that the more gratitude we express, the more we feel. So give gratitude a fair chance. Eventually, the attitude will multiply. If uh, we were to ask all your best friends and the closest people to you that know you the best, where would you rank on the attitude of gratitude scale? One being Man, they give God thanks about everything. I mean, even when they're going through tough times, all you hear out of their mouth is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You're so good to me, Lord. They just seem to, nothing seems to faze them. Second, you'd be like, well, most of the time they're in a good mood and they, they give God thanks a, a lot. All the way down to number five. Man, nothing comes out of their mouth but complaining, whining, talking negative. Do you see joy in those fives? Do you see peace in their lives? Does it affect you when you get around them? I'm not saying we shouldn't hang around people because they need joy. But we should start speaking the truth to them. Look, you're seeing everything half empty. You know, a change of attitude is in order here. I want you to have joy, brother. I want you to have joy, sister. Why don't you start giving God some thanks? Why don't you start praying and, 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 and saying better things? Thankfulness is a form of worship, I think. I think when I tell God, thank you, it's worshiping him. You know, worship just isn't music on Sunday mornings. Worship is a lifestyle. It says, you know, to give our bodies, which is our acceptable form of worship. You know, our whole life. Is worship. And when we give God thanks, man, you know how you feel when your children give you thanks for the things you've done for them. It makes you want to do more, doesn't it? So when we give God thanks, it's like worship. And if thankfulness is worship, what does that make complaining? I wrote this. Complaining is a verbal confirmation of the absence of your faith. Man, that stabbed me right in the heart. I'm not sitting up here saying I got it all together. My closest friends be rating me. He's like a two and a half, my three, my four. You know, sometimes he's thankful. A lot of times he's Mr. Perfect, perfection and knows everything and, and tells everybody what's not perfect, where I struggle, Right? But complaining, man, that's, that's a, a verbal confirmation. You're, you're confirming it on yourself that you have no faith. When we complain, that's pretty rough, ain't it? If life is a cake mix, then thankfulness should be your icing. <laughs> Sprinkling your life with God's grace. <laughs> Psalms 57, 7, David says, My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. You think David didn't go through some stuff? He lost children. His own, one of his own children deposed him as king and tried to kill him. 
You can imagine the pressure of being a king in the first place. Unbelievable pressure. Everybody's mad at you all the time. But he said, my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. You ever done that? You ever went to bed praising God and you, you woke up in the morning and, and you were singing his praise and still singing his praise in the morning? Had a pep in your step? You ready to get out and, and meet the day? I thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. That ought to be our, our cry every day. Man, write that down and put it beside your bed and say that every morning. Because the word of God will accomplish what God sends it to do. That will begin to foster an attitude of gratitude. I remember Caleb had a K-Love Challenge or something. You, you listen to their positive and encouraging music for 30 days and then say, see how it affects your life. Well, I don't really like their style of music, but I did it. And you know what? I was, I was thankful. I was happier because everything was positive and encouraging. And we have to surround ourselves with these things. And the Word of God is right there at your fingertips. Begin to say what David said. Let's begin to say what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 14, 27, when he was about to leave, he told his disciples, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of heart and mind. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. My peace ain't nothing like the world's. They're coping, you conquering. they hoping you doing. Peace I give is, is a gift the world cannot give, so do not be troubled or afraid. That's what was, was some of his parting knowledge, gift, wisdom to his people. Do not be afraid. I'm giving you peace, but you got to take hold of it. True peace is only found in Jesus Christ. He is the solid rock in which we stand. All other is shifting ground, you understand. Whatever else you're putting your hope on, whatever else you got your eyes on, it's shifting and moving. And it's scary and dark. But Jesus is light and life. And Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. He is a solid foundation. And when the storms of this life come, your house will stand. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, he's the only anchor for your troubled soul. When that... Water's coming in your boat and the storms are, are loud and raging. He's the one who'll stand up on your boat and say, peace, be still. And he can control that which we cannot. It's not like he didn't have the power to do it. We got to trust the Lord. You know, there was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years, the Bible says. She done been to all the doctors. She'd been to the West Clinic. She'd been to the so-and-so clinic. She'd been to all the clinics until she spent up all her money. The world didn't have an answer for this woman. Then somebody told her about Jesus and all the miracles that he was doing and could do. 
And she thought to herself, if I can but get to Jesus. Are you, she had a mouse in her boat for 12 years, you understand. It had tore up her insides. Her life was stinking. She wasn't even allowed to go in public. It affected everything in her life. Some of us are living with mice in our boat. Are you? Is there things in your life that you just said, I'm settling with this. I'm okay with it. It don't stink too bad. What's a little mouse poo? I just lay down on the carpet and snuggle up with the mice pee. You know, I'm fine with that. Is there things in your life that you're okay with? Jesus says, no. And this woman got tired. She got tired. She got tired of what people think. She got tired of the rules and regulations that said she couldn't go out in public. She just, she said, I'm getting to Jesus. No matter what, I'm getting to Jesus. And she wormed her way through the crowd. I don't know if she was crawling or, or fighting her way. But she touched the hem of his garment. Just the hem of his robe healed the flow and drove the mice out of her life. You got to get to Jesus at all cost. Through prayer, through thankfulness, through the Word of God, through coming to church, through making godly friends, through focusing on the things of God, you got to get to Jesus. He is the one that calms the storms and the raging seas. When He says peace, the waves stop and the wind ceases. And you get to your destination. And you become a conqueror, and not a coper. You know what he did? He halted the, the chaotic procession. That I mean, there was people. He said, who touched me? And Peter said, well, you mean everybody's touching you. This is crazy around here. Have you seen how many people's in this street following you, Jesus? But he stopped. He said, oh, somebody touched me. And for this lady, he stopped that chaotic procession. You got you to get to him. You got to get to Jesus. You want joy? Always be joyful. You want peace that passes all understanding, that'll keep your heart and mind? It's in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen. In Christ Jesus. You got to get to Jesus at all cost. You got to get there. Stop making the world about other things. These things will pass away. But the Word of God will remain forever, and He is the Word of God. Luke 8, 48, after he felt virtue leave him and somebody reaching out and, and pulling on his anointing, you know what he told her? He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There was no peace before. But once you get to Jesus, you go in peace. Proverbs 14, 30 says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. I'm telling you, probably about 60% of the things that you're dealing with in your health right now could be avoided just by relieving the stress in your life. And the other 40 can be relieved by having faith that he's the healer. Psalms 29, 11 says, The Lord gives his people strength. 
The Lord blesses them with peace. My brothers and sisters, grab hold of his strength. Take hold of his peace. Rob Stanmore said, courageous peace is a contagious peace. We don't need to be running people off with our bad attitude. They need to be running to us. Man, how you doing it, man? Where'd you get all that joy? Where can I get some? Let me rub off on you some. Give me some of that. <laughs> you need to be that bubbly person. And I do too. I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. Mm. We're going to close with this. In the message paraphrase in Philippians 4, verse 4, I don't often read the message paraphrase because I wouldn't consider it the actual Word of God, but it's man's interpretation of the Word of God. But sometimes it's just got such a good way of saying it that I, I just wanted to read it to you. It's that same scripture we read earlier, our base text, Philippians 4.4. 4. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in Him. Make it as clear as you can to all that you meet that are on their side that you're on their side, working with them, not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer. Shape your worries into prayer. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Somebody talk me down. Somebody help me settle down. You ever need somebody to do that? Well, you got him built in. He will settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd like... I'd say you'd do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you have heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God will make everything work together. Work, work into his most excellent harmonies. Hmm. You remember when I had that guitar that time and I, and I untuned it? And I show you what it sounds like when your life is not in harmony. You're like, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh. But I said, but, but if you just tune up a few strings, you know, and I put it in tune, then I hit a beautiful G chord and said, harmony. It, it, man, that is the difference. I'm telling you, we're not supposed to. Our lights are not supposed to go, blah, our lives are supposed to sing harmony and praise to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Man, we're supposed to be a light in this dark world. We're supposed to be a megaphone shouting, there is a way, there is a truth, there is a life. Jesus is good and he always has been, always will be. I tell you what, he loves you and he wants you to come to him and receive peace, joy, forgiveness, happiness. He is everything that you need. And my life needs to, to, to exalt that. My life needs to, well, first I got to have it to give it, don't I? And I'm telling you, get those mice out of your boat.
They're killing you. Little foxes nibbling at the vines, corrupting, corrupting what's supposed to be a beautiful oak tree for God. They're nibbling away at you. They're not harmless. Your life is stinking. Get rid of stinking thinking. And trust in the Lord. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.